Welcome, welcome, welcome to the sixth edition of Podigus, a podcast where we speak to the leaders of just about every kind of organization you could imagine in order to explore the impact of technology, both today and in the future. I'm your host, Delcy Bean, the CEO of employee-owned Paragus Strategic IT, located in Hadley, Massachusetts, and serving clients all over New England and beyond. With me today, I have Abigail LePage of Kimball Physics. Kimball Physics is a high-tech manufacturer of scientific instruments with over 50 years of experience in ultra-high vacuum electron and ion optics. The company specializes in high-stability electron emitters, precision electrostatic and magnostatic optics, along with state-of-the-art vacuum chambers and fittings. Kimball Physics is an MIT spinoff located in half a dozen buildings situated near the top of a wooded hill in southern New Hampshire. As a company run by physicists, Kimball Physics is ready to assist customers in solving practical, technical, and basic research problems. My guest, Abigail, attended Bates College, where she earned her bachelor's in physics before joining Kimball Physics as a lab tech in 1998. Since then, she has risen through the ranks and is now serving as the president and CEO. And if that wasn't enough, if I have my facts correct, Abigail was also the co-owner of Armadillo's Burritos in Keene, New Hampshire, for over nine years. Welcome, Abigail, and thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Delcy. So let's start by just understanding what drew you to the field of physics and to the role that you're in right now. Um, I guess what drew me to it is um, a constant interest in learning and uh, technology and mathematics that most people hate and, um, you know, in science and the application of, uh, you know, how it relates to real world, real world things. And I'm going to ask what I think may be a silly question, so you'll have to bear with me a little bit. But for the benefit of both myself and for our listeners, when it comes to technology, how savvy do you describe yourself to be? I'd say I'm relatively savvy. Um, there, there are plenty of people more savvy than I am, um, including a lot of our staff here. Um, but in the field that we're in, I think we all kind of have to be a little bit savvy. And what about outside of the field that you're in? Like when it comes to like just your home life, are you the person people are looking to to fix this stuff or are you the person asking for help? Um, well, maybe both. Um, you know, it depends. It depends on the situation. I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people will look to me for the answers. I, and honestly, at, here at Kimball Physics, I try to encourage them not to try to get all the answers from me um, because I, you know, I have been here a long time, so I know the ins and outs of a lot of the products and you know the company itself. But um, you know, try to encourage the other people getting the same kind of benefit of, you know, having to figure it out themselves and, and work towards the solution. That's awesome. So Kimball Physics is not a new company and you've personally been there for over, I think, 22 years. Yes. I have to imagine you've seen a lot of change during that time. So can you tell us how technology has had an impact on the organization over the five, 10 years or even further back? Well, you know, when I think about it, when I started at Kimball Physics, we didn't even have basically a central email system, um, which is shocking uh, for, because it really was, I mean, it wasn't that long ago and, and email definitely um, was in existence, but the company itself had kind of taken its time on, um, you know, getting getting really deep into the, the IT technology. Um, so, you know, starting at Kimball Physics, honestly would have emails put on a floppy disk and somebody would walk to my desk 
so that I could load them onto my computer. It was really ridiculous for a, for a physics company to be so far behind, but um, we're, we're well past that now. Um, we, um, we've, we've grown, um, we've, you know, gotten centralized. We've been trying to go more paperless and, um, you know, just trying to take uh, advantage of all there is um, in the IT world uh, to help us. And then I have to imagine there's the technology that runs the business. There's the office. What about the technology in the work that you're doing? How has that evolved in terms of the tools that you have available to you, the products you're creating? Like, what does that look like over the past five to 10 years? Well, so, um, you know, definitely uh, we've gotten more accurate machines. Um, we have we have our own machine shop at Kimball Physics. We, you know, we have a number of CNC machines, um, milling and lathes. Um, we we use a lot of, um, we actually use a lot of old technology as well. Um, you know, some of the products that we make are, you know, very tiny on the scale of, you know, a third of a millimeter um, is, you know, the major OD. And so we actually have retrofitted a, a number of um, old jewelers equipment um, to be able to customize uh, for the equipment we need to make these very delicate, intricate pieces. Well, that's really interesting. So as you think about the future, what do you think the next three to five years is going to look like when it comes to how technology will impact the organization and the work that you guys are doing? Well, I, I think one thing that we've been heavily reliant on, and which is a very good thing and also a kind of risky thing, is um, the, the skill of the, the people that we have working with us and, and their ability to, you know, basically make beautiful, tiny artwork, <laughs> you know, by hand. And I think... Um, you know, with automation and, and all, all the new technologies coming, we want to take advantage of that. Um, but we need to transition from the know-how and the hand skills to, um, you know, processes that are, are taking advantage of all that's out there, um, which will give us better um, reliability, repeatability, and um, increased capacity. And is there a technology in the world of physics that could totally disrupt the whole industry that would be a game changer? Well, you know, there's a there's a lot of new work being done in um, the cold physics uh, field, um, which is, you know, basically slowing slowing down atoms to the point that they they start acting completely differently um, than than they do at, you know, room temperature or any other temperatures. So, you know, they're they're able to they're approaching, you know, absolute zero with um, the temperatures that they're able to cool these particles to. And that's that's going to open up such different types of technology that you know could could affect Kimball physics. And and we're we're involved. Um, we we make a lot of vacuum chambers, um, which I, you mentioned in the intro. Um, but those are basically you know chambers. Actually, I do have one here. Um, they're they're chambers that are made out of solid stainless steel. And they have these ports all around um, that you can put flanges on, seal them up, and then pump them out um, so that you can get a high vacuum. And so these chambers are used in the field of cold physics so that they can trap the atoms in the center and um, have laser access from, you know, from X, Y, and Z to be able to actually cool the atoms uh, with, a, with an optic, magneto-optic trap. Wow. So it, for somebody who's totally ignorant about this, what's the, what's the practical application of being able to do this? What happens when you can get a, um, an atom down to zero? 
Right. So, so they, they are just learning so much about, you know, how the, how the properties change and um, how it can relate to, you know, the semiconductor industry, um, electron emitters um, eventually. Um, and I think that the, the, the research, it's just, it's almost endless what uh, practical applications there could be. Um, and, you know, it's still being determined what, what can, what can be done to make it so that it doesn't have to be in a, a large lab, um, but they can, you know, miniaturize and make it more accessible to a lot of other fields. So right now, are we talking about billion dollar technology, hundreds of millions of dollars, tens of millions? Like what's the space that we're talking about? Well, I, I think, I think the opportunity out there, you know, it could be, could be billions of dollars technology. If it, if it really changes the way things are done and you know, how, how we can get into computing and quantum computing and things like that. Um, it's endless really, but um, you know, we're, we're just, we're, we're facilitating. We're, you know, we're not doing the research. We're, we're providing equipment that allows them to be able to continue this research. And that's one thing Kimball physics really um, puts a lot of effort into is, you know, trying to stay up on the, on the cutting edge technologies that, that we're not necessarily inventing or um, researching, but we're, we're maybe enabling in some way. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like it. So you mentioned earlier kind of that dependency on highly skilled labor is, whether it's a vulnerability or an opportunity, depending on how you look at it, do you see technology solving that problem? Do you see machines or AI or big data or robotics having an impact in your field? Yes, and that, I think you said it correctly. It's it's both an opportunity and a threat um, because, you know, if you if you have skills that other people can't um, copy or duplicate, um, that's that can be a good thing. Um, but if that limits you and the growth that you can have based on, you know, capacity or, um, you know, the risk of potentially losing that person that has that skill, um, you know, we have to look at the opportunities of adding new technology and using robotics and um, increased precision and, um, you know, all that, all that comes with automation. And this for the benefit of kind of helping to picture, you know, you describe this facility as it's in several different uh, buildings in this beautiful Southern New Hampshire, which obviously I'm very impartial to, but I was like, what does the facility look like? Are we talking hundreds of machines, a couple of machines, like give us like a virtual tour of your office in words. Okay. In words, we have, we have a machine shop with about 10 machinists, um, about 15 different tool stations. Um, we have a micro machining facility, which um, is, you know, where we do the micro <laughs> products. And um, there, there's probably 30 different um, machines on a small scale. It's actually in, from the outside, it looks like just a little white house. Um, you go inside and, and there's flow benches, you know, to keep particles uh, off the product and, you know, tiny little lathes to be mach machining and, um, you know, lasers to be able to figure out crystal structure and, and um, scanning electron microscope to be able to do the research we need to do to have, have the best product we can have. Um, so that's all hidden in a little house. <laughs> and then the, the main facility is a, is a large red barn, um, which fits into our rural setting. But the bottom floor is our machine shop and the top floor is 
vacuum labs. So you enter the red barn and it, it looks in very different than the than the barn used to look with you know stalls and hay and um, various animals. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So when you think about technology, we've already talked about kind of one of your fears. What other fears do you have about tech in your industry or in your business? Well, I, I think that um, product op- obsolescence always um, can be a risk. And, you know, we've, we've had a product that has been providing electron emitters to the world for 45, almost 50 years. And honestly, it's the design really hasn't changed all that much. There have been, you know, some improvements um, with, with minor tweaks, um, you know, and little changes to the design. But in general, it's been the same product for, you know, 45 plus years. And in any company that um, eventually is probably going to change, um, you know, the, the world need changes or some new technology comes that, you know, basically wipes out um, the properties of, of that particular product. And, and, and now you have to change gears and get onto something else. So I think, you know, being, being, uh, keeping up with technology and uh, researching different materials that could maybe become the new product is, is high on our list. So we have, you know, we have a number of physicists and we're constantly doing the R&D to try to keep up. Have you guys ever experienced a major cyber incident or outage? Well, we've definitely had um, a power outage <laughs> that um, lasted 10 days um, at one point. But I think, was that 2000. 12 um talking about the halloween snowstorm we had we had a crazy ice storm yeah um that took down trees everywhere and all the power lines and and kimball physics was out for 10 days and you know so that wiped out power and internet of course and we had we had generators around and um, extension cords running everywhere was it was kind of crazy um we have made major changes since then and we now have um, backup generators for all the buildings that you know, turn on within less than a second. Um, so we, we've kind of gotten out of that. Um, as far as cybersecurity, um, we've, we've definitely had some close calls. Um, and, you know, with the help of our outside IT department, you know, we've, we've caught them and not had anything drastic happen in the company. Um, but we're constantly getting those, you know, phishing emails and, and trying to educate our, our coworkers to, know that that's not an email from Abigail LePage just because it says that, you know, look at the whole address. Um, And so, you know, and we're sending out reminders and we, you know, we let them know when when we start seeing, you know, trends of certain kinds of scams. So we often talk about technology as making our lives better and improving our businesses. Have you had an instance where you felt like it actually made things worse? Well, honestly, the the whole remote work um, was thrown on us like a, like a lot of companies and um and you know we we <laughs> we had to go with it and um i think there's been a, a big benefit to that um and figuring out that we can have productivity with people working remotely um that's helped us with some space issues um but on the downside um we've really struggled with how to how to keep the communication um going and and to effectively uh have meetings and interaction and 
and a lot of the a lot of the team has has really felt that lack of communication between you know their their peers and coworkers, and that's been a real struggle for us. So we're we're still trying to work on that balance. Um, remote work is not going to go away. I think I think we we know that it's here to stay, and and that's a good thing. Um, but we just we have to work on how to how to how to get some of that personal touch back if, when you have to you know be working with a Zoom call or Microsoft Teams or whichever platform you're using. And you already spoke to this a little bit, but let me just ask it again. As the CEO of a very successful and a very important organization, what do you do to personally keep up with everything that's going on in the technology space, kind of both within the industry and then within just the technology of running a company? Well, my favorite way to keep up with what's going on in technology is talking with our customers. Um, you know, we we have world class customers at you know universities and government labs, and you know we we do work with uh, Los Alamos and Lawrence Livermore and Stanford University and you know, CERN and, and and it's and it's talking with the customers about the things that they're working on, the problems that they're having that help us really develop the the next products that we need to make. And you know we're whether it's a good business decision or not, we're, we're usually willing to get into the, the tricky problems and, um, and try to see what we can do to solve them. And maybe we're not making the profit, but we're, we're keeping on that cutting edge of new technologies and constantly trying to stretch ourselves as well. Yeah, that's terrific. I think that's a great answer. So before I let you go, it's time for what we call Fast Questions with Flat Delsey. and good afternoon, Abigail. In just a moment, I'm going to read you a series of choices, and your job is to, as quickly as possible, just tell me which is your preference. You ready? Yes. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Phone call or text? Text. Eggs or pancakes? Eggs. Candy or popcorn? Popcorn. Fantasy or sci-fi? Oh, Sci-fi. <laughs> Superman or Batman? Batman. Tacos or burritos? <laughs> I have to say burritos. <laughs> <laughs> Football or basketball? Football. Drums or bass? Bass. Boat or plane? Boat. And finally, most important, Vermont or New Hampshire? <laughs> oh, New Hampshire. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being our guest today, Abigail. It was great to learn more about your organization and yourself. And I know that our listeners are going to be very excited to hear this. And thank you. It's a pleasure.